0: about trying to figure out what it's all about existentialist am i worth anything or just a scout i don't know i don't know i don't know spending time all alone sending my songs to the phone dreaming of a better home while focused on trying to hone this craft witchcraft i hope the brujas let us
1: That was great sounds of watson with outside on wnhh lp 103.5 fm new haven myself prestige with my partner in crime long island raised elm city made e z blues is in the building easy blues you're better better introductions more than me who do we have with us
0: today on behind the brand ladies and gentlemen i would like to take the moment to really, really focus on something. When someone does something well, it's not only great that they're doing it well for themselves, but when they send out a call a call to other people to come out and stand with them. Stand shoulder to shoulder so they can rise up, not just a single for themselves, but for everybody. Those moments are by far the most important moments to have. And it is a beautiful thing when you can have those moments in this wonderful state of Connecticut, in this beautiful town of New Haven. We love and we appreciate that. Whether you are cracking a cold one and sipping it back so, so sweetly, or you are engaging in a full festival that fully brings in everybody there, that is one of the most important things you can do. And for that, and for that alone, we want you to put your hands together, not if you're driving. If you're driving, we need you to be safe and keep your hands at 10 and two, because that by far is one of the most important things. But put your hands together mentally for the incredible Jamal Robinson. How are you doing today, brother? (laughs) <laughs> I'm doing well,
2: man. I'm doing well. I appreciate the intro.
0: <laughs> hey, well, we, we appreciate everything you do. And we just want to make you feel as special as you are. You know, we come from a society that is very, you know, uh, I'll say greed focused or individual focused. So when you send out a call for other people to engage with you is one of the most beautiful things you can do. And I just want to give you the flowers for that.
2: I appreciate it, man.
0: Thank you very much. It's, uh, it's an honor to be here. I appreciate y'all having me. Definitely, man. Jamal, I
1: mean, you seem to have a well background in what you do. This, did this all happen by accident, or was this already planned for, for your process? Uh, you mean the, the festival, or...? um, Just yeah. in general, just your whole title with whole with New England Brewing Company.
2: Uh, you know, I, I can't say... Uh, the beer business is something I definitely fell into. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was 18... I was working at a Jewish deli up in Vernon, Connecticut. Wow. And the the VP, we could talk about that story, but the VP of <laughs> uh, of an anheuser Bush wholesaler was one of the regulars who sat in my section all the time and did okay. uh, my hustle. Thought I was a good kid, and uh, and gave me an, offered me an internship. I was w- happy happened to be working on my 18th birthday, and he offered me an internship, um, and that's how I got in the beer business. It was never intended. I didn't drink in high school. I was a, I was an athlete. Right. I had aspirations of you know playing soccer in college, and uh, I was always kind of straight edge in that way. Um, but I got into the industry, and and um, from from my initial thought in getting the industry was that it was, a, it was a great opportunity and a job, um, and then I fell in love with craft beer, and then uh, I didn't end up going back to school. I stayed with it and, and hustled and got into, got some great opportunities, met some amazing people. This industry has been really, really good to me. And uh, if you fast forward through the track, um, I, I feel like I'm in a position now to really help make this industry better than than what it was. And um, that's been kind of a personal call to action to me over the, over the last couple of years.
1: It's safe to say that was the best uh, birthday present you ever had was that internship? <laughs> yeah, he left me a, a $200 tip. And- mm, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, That's
2: not all, bad at all. <laughs> great news, great news. Very
1: jovial dude. <laughs> now, within that internship, man, how did that just help you with networking and just exploring new demographics and just introducing yourself to new people?
2: Yeah, I think you know. Uh, so, my mom—the reason I was in—I was working at Ryan's Deli, which is obviously a very white space. My mom moved mm-hmm. me out of Newark, New Jersey uh, to provide me with opportunities. So, her mentality was: the opportunities don't exist here. I need to take my son to. A place where there are opportunities and, and that is white spaces, especially when you're talking about uh, the early nineties. So being in that space is one thing going to white schools and, and and learning to identify with myself. My my mom was always, you know, a Jamaican raised and and being like, you know, this is who you are, but these are the rules that you have to follow. This is the world that you live in. Mm-hmm. I think now working in a in a working in a white space in that way outside of a deli, but really in a professional space where I was the youngest person there by far brought me out of my shell in a in a different kind of way. Confidence and and being able to to speak and talk and network and communicate with people and then be taken seriously uh, was, was vital, just in, in society in general, but definitely in that workspace. And then once feeling like I had some grounds to be confident in what I was saying, what I was talking about, it, it I think it gave me a lot of a lot of free confidence to be comfortable in myself. In that way, and then and then just just work. I think my personality and work ethic have been have been vital. But the relationships, this business is a very relationship-driven business, as I think most businesses are. And I, I find myself in a lot of ways. It's not so much it's not so much what you know, um, but mm-hmm. a lot of who you know and, and how, and to get to that place that makes the what you know valuable. You know.
1: Easy. I see your finger going up, man. There's a light bulb top of your head. Say oh, what about to say. oh, yeah.
0: No, it's it, it's a beautiful thing. And and what I love about the stories in particular is you came from the industry, you know, the corporate aspect of the industry. And now you're dealing more with the craft aspect and, you know, the independent uh, business aspect of it. What was it like to make that full transition going from the corporate life to
2: the more independent life? Yeah, it was about, you know, working with Anheuser-Busch, I think, in a lot of ways taught me marketing. It taught me salesmanship and uh, the basics and the foundations of the industry. Um, but then when I started getting into craft beer, I, I got a position through Anheuser-Busch that was basically a position that nobody else in the company wanted. There was a lot of old school Budweiser guys who just wanted to sell Buds, stack them high, let them fly kind of mentality. And craft beer was very, very new. And then as a bush saw the writing on the wall in a lot of ways and was was throwing a lot of new innovative products um, craft beer like products at the wall innovative liquors and so forth and they wanted one person at every distributor to be focusing on on this thing so they they took that person that was chosen each distributor and sent them to all these marketing and training classes and beer classes like craft beer trip classes and at the time i was only 20 i wasn't old enough to actually sample the product, but nobody else at the, at the company wanted the job. And, and I wanted it because it was an opportunity more than anything. It wasn't even so much that I was so passionate about beer, but I just wanted an opportunity to, to do something more than I was. Uh, so I took that position, but then in those trainings, not being allowed to actually sample the beer, but needing to pass the sensory training and, and the marketing training was vital, I think, because it gave me a real appreciation for for beer in general now. It mm-hmm. wasn't just like this thing I was selling. I was like, wow, this. This bare-knuckle stout really does smell like roasted coffee and, and malt. And now I can smell the hops. And, and it gave me this different kind of appreciation that that, that kind of sparked a, a fire and a passion. So then when I got home, uh, my job was to be educating the rest of the sales team on how to make beer, how beer is made and what the industry, and then all these new products that were coming out, who our demographic was for each product, how we were going to sell it. And then I had to work with them to actually go into the stores to, to talk about it because they couldn't. It's one thing to train them, but another thing to actually be, speaking and, se- and hand selling essentially to teach account so then all that and stuff was important and then when i went down the rabbit hole of craft beer uh down on websites like beeradvocate.com back in the day and seeing that there was this, this huge community of craft beer and then a lot of other beers in the, in the mix i got i got into that side and then Part of my job kind of evolved into helping the wholesaler bring on some new craft brands that were that were coming and state and were available because they were seeing again the it was starting to creep up. People were seeing people were drinking more and more craft beer, talking about craft beer. So I helped bring in a brand called Blue Point Brewing. And then that was the beer, the IPA that I tried for the first time that was like changed my whole perspective on what IPAs were. We didn't have these <laughs> You know, it was the equivalent of what you'd now see in like a juicy IPA, but um, the right. hot that we were using, Amarillo was the Citra at the time. It was brand new. Not a lot of people were using it. Gave off this crazy grapefruit and pineapple notes. Very balanced, but but fruity. And um, I was like, what the hell is this? And this is, I want to I want to build this thing. Uh, I had a lot of brands in my portfolio, and the idea of mm-hmm. being able to focus on one thing that I was passionate about. And with these, like this hippie little company, it was these two guys out of Long Island that, hmm were just a couple of hippies who loved craft beer and paid for and <laughs> beer, but, but in a lot of ways didn't know how to run a company. It was a very grassroots thing. I was the right. third sales rep we had hired and I ended up launching Connecticut and then all the New England states. So it was getting in very early, but man, once I got down on that side, it changed my whole perspective of like, you know, suit and tie. and Bush was a very corporate thing, right? People would get right. fired for, for getting caught drinking a Coors light. It was like you drink our products or you drink nothing
0: else. <laughs> right. Craft beer was the other side of that. So it, right.
2: Riding with uh, the owner of the brewery for the first time, I remember when we launched the brand after uh, a month or two. Yeah. Came out to Connecticut, rode around. I wanted to show him all the new accounts we had gotten. And uh, we go into the Ginger Man, which is one of the one of the original OG craft beer bars in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. and i was like all oh, right yeah we got toast lager on tap we'll take two toasted lagers and he's like ah, oh, no, man we uh we know what our stuff tastes like let's let's try this other stuff you know mm-hmm. and it was like one of the first times where i'm like it really is about it's not just about drinking our brand it's about drinking what's good and, and this industry right. was was really built on this communal aspect of everybody helping each other everybody being about each other's brands and a lot of the best beers i was introduced to were introduced to me by by my colleagues and by people I worked with, and some of my best friends that I've made in the industry are people that worked for other breweries and were at beer fest and stuff. So it was it was moving from this like cor- cor- uh, corporate we only talk about us and protect us to this this communal part of a business that was very very new to me and uh, and was and was refreshing and, and awesome and I was passionate about that. So fast forward now, seven years later, yeah, point gets bought by anheuser Bush. Oh my goodness. And- <laughs> I'm, I'm in this place where I'm like I can't go back you know, this is still <laughs> where I want to be that's why I got an opportunity to, to help start and launch a new brewery um, uh, Stony Creek Brewing in Branford Connecticut mm-hmm. I, uh, I helped I came on board a year before they actually launched to help design and, and, and redesign and launch that brand and develop the go-to-market strategy and, and, and be the director of sales there Well, your mind was in like 10,000 places at that moment crazy man it was, it was crazy <laughs> because, it, because the package was was gravy right it was like right. you're coming in and like you're gonna have this insane health insurance package you're gonna get paid mm-hmm. more you're gonna have all these opportunities and even from the brewery aspect if you're a brewer you're right. looking this yeah. little craft brewery that's finally you're gonna get some real health insurance you're gonna get all the equipment you ever wanted yeah. ingredients you never had before you know it feels like this golden opportunity but uh, from a sales guy, it's still like, it, the culture was still so important to me. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think you'll see it with a lot of people on, on our generation where it's not just about the paycheck anymore, it's about the total quality of life and what that brand represents and, and what it offers as a whole. And uh, yeah, it was something I'd rather, it was, it was more exciting to me to start something from the ground up again and, and work with a team to build something, especially in my home state that I've been, I've been working in, in this industry. Mm-hmm. That, and kind of going back to corporate America, corporate beer, I wasn't, I wasn't passionate for me. The beer was never about once I got once I found a passion for craft beer, then the passion was the driver. I think that was mm-hmm. a huge part of it. It wasn't just a job to me. And I never wanted to have just a job. You know,
1: you wanted something more. You wanted something more passionate.
2: Yeah, yeah, something that you know when you wake up and you're you give up all your weekends to be doing all these events and festivals and and hosting events and, and traveling around the region and stuff, you need to be passionate about that gig. <laughs> Otherwise, it will burn you out pretty quickly. And I and I say that to every sales rep I've hired is, this is not a nine to five. This is a lifestyle. This is a culture, mm-hmm. and uh, you've got to be passionate about that in, in a very honest and organic way. Otherwise, this is this is a it's a tough gig. It's more
1: demanding than most. Now throughout now throughout this entire journey that you've been telling myself and Easy, when was that moment where you just stopped and realized that it wasn't work no more? It
2: was a lifestyle. I think I think it was probably my first or second year at Bluepoint mm-hmm. um, when when realizing just just now being fully engulfed in the craft side of it from from different angles and meeting all these mm-hmm. people, and being a part of all these events, and then seeing a brand that was that no one had ever heard of to now being at a beer fest and having a line, you know, that felt like it was a mile long, that everyone's like oh. <laughs> so Now you get this gratification of building something, you know, yeah. you feel like you're, you're making, you're gaining traction and you're building something. And everybody coming up is excited about the beer and you know the beer is good. So you're excited to tell people about how good the mm-hmm. beer is. And for me, that's what it was like, man, I got one of the best gigs in the world, you know? And or at the time I was, I was 22, you know? So right. it was like, especially for a 22 year old, it was, it was. Uh, well, it
1: had to be such an enriching feeling.
2: Yeah, yeah, the most. My friends were just graduating college, you know, just just starting to get into real working corporate America, real working America. And I'd been in it for a while now and had this this different perspective and this different kind of mentality. And it awarded me opportunities to do things like buy a house early and mm-hmm. and you know, think about things in a different way that um I might not have been able to if I was, you know, sixty thousand dollars in student loan debt <laughs> at that time. You know.
1: Mm-hmm. That'll do it. That'll do it. Um, Now, the the art point of selling to the average person, because like when you mention an IPA, um, I'm just going to give it out like 10, five years ago. People will think it's like a much harder taste, but a lot of people don't know to the average person, there's numerous flavors out there. So like, what's the hardest point of just selling the product? Because the the IPAs can go from, you know, the, the hard taste that you want to the nice, elegant taste and that didn't go smooth all the way down. So just explain that to me.
2: Yeah. I mean, again, there's most, what most people don't like about IPAs is the bitterness Mm -hmm. because obviously IPAs are very hop forward and and hop bitterness is what balances out all that malt sweetness. Like when you Mm -hmm. originally make a beer, you use barley malt, you extract sugars and flavor from barley malt and then it's very sweet product. So you counterbalance that with, with the hops. Now when you're talking about an IPA, especially, I think what what the things that made IPAs so much more approachable to a lot of people, because I didn't like IPAs originally either until I tried Hoptical Illusion from Point that had this Mm -hmm. new hop that was Amarillo at the time and was citrus and grapefruit and gave off these different flavors that were recognizable to me, right? You know, especially even being, you know, with a Jamaican background, grapefruit is something we always had in the house. So that flavor was like, this is delicious. What is this, you know? And, And maybe a lot of people don't necessarily have grapefruits or eat grapefruit like something like that. So it might not be a very familiar flavor, but I think now when you talk about brands like Treehouse and this New England IPA standpoint, where you're getting a lot of orange juice and citrus and pineapple flavors that are very approachable and very um, and has leveled out the bitterness. I think that's why New England IPAs have gotten so, so popular is because you've got a lot of fruit forward flavors and aromas with uh, much more subdued bitterness. And it's usually mm-hmm. the bitterness that people don't like. Um, And and Hopsicle was one of those first beers that I was like, the bitterness was at bay for the first time for me with IPAs. And then when I can approach it that way and start to pull out flavors, and then obviously being through a lot of sensory training, it allowed Mm -hmm. me to appreciate and kind of build a palate towards the need for that bitterness. Now I like a, then after that, I was like, man, I really need a West Coast IPA. I need more of that bitterness because personally, I don't drink a lot of New England IPAs. They're too sweet and there isn't that balance. They're not. They're not refreshing enough, you know, for me with, with that counterbalance. But with a lot of people, it's it's the bitterness um, at the first that, that people don't like. So it's it's about trying to educate. And that's a huge part of what why I'm so passionate about something like Changing the Air Festival because craft beer spent a lot of time and energy educating people on beer, right, about mm-hmm. what beer is, how it tastes, the different varieties, different styles. And then you go to a beer fest and you have all these different styles and kinds of IPAs. You can find the IPA that you like and don't like. And you have all these different other beers and it was it was only marketed and kind of built and set up for one demographic so when we talk about diversifying the industry we have to do the same thing that craft beer did for a white demographic but do it for a black demographic or for a demographic of color of any color really not just black um and then kind of being intentional about that so that's where now if we're trying to educate i think education's been the biggest part of it when i first got into it going on beeradvocate.com and and educating myself, getting excited and just like anybody else, you know, when you get excited about food or you get excited about whiskey or wine, you want to learn, you want to know the differences. You want to try all kinds of things and figure out what you like. And uh, and I think that's very normal for any people, any human. Hmm.
1: Now, when did this idea spark for the change in the air festival? Was it just your
2: own idea entirety or was it the team? Definitely the team. Um, So it started with back in 2020. Mm-hmm. You know, for the first time, I think in a long time, and certainly in my career, and I think for a lot of people, you had time to think, right? Time to yeah, think. you
1: really did. Time to think was definitely a time to think. Yeah,
2: yeah, time to think, time to process, time to be, and I and I and I found myself. We we split our company into two teams that worked opposite weeks. We didn't know what COVID was going to be. It was very early on in COVID. So for the first three months of that whole process, we we split our company into two teams. We worked opposite weeks. And we essentially had every other week off in a lot of ways like you know there's only so much you can do from home in this business especially if you're a brewer etc so i found myself with a lot of time to think a lot of time to um that was the first year i started working on my garden my homestead project and it was realizing now all right sitting back and and thinking and processing seeing what's happening in the world and being able to really think about it for the first time and, and think about my role in it my place in it and seeing the anger and the frustrations and the the protests and everything going on and and being able to relate to that, seeing a Maud Aubrey, be murdered for jogging down the street in, yeah. in in a state and feeling remembering my freshman year of college, playing soccer at a white school in a white neighborhood, jogging down the street that yeah. could have been me, right? You know, is this yeah. this process of of really engaging and understanding and then seeing the fact that you know craft beer is a very white space. So I spend a, the majority of my time in this white space. And, and meet a lot of white people, obviously, a lot of my best friends, and realizing their response was coming from a place that didn't sit well, you know? A lot of people making comments and saying things on Facebook and Instagram, et cetera, that I don't think they would say to me. So now it became right. this, this place of being able to process, all right, what is my realizing my role, Realizing, realizing my role as a black man in my community, but also a black man amongst white people, amongst my white friends and so mm-hmm. forth. And if they're going to, if they're going to, if I need to help them understand, because um, it came from, it felt like a lot of miseducation or misunderstanding, right? And and feeling like, so Start started off with putting out some YouTube videos of just kind of addressing my feelings as a whole mm-hmm. towards everything that's happening in the world. And then coming back to my company and feeling like, we needed to talk about some things and, and wanted to talk about you know what the industry looks like, what people look like, what are we doing? We did a lot, as a company, we always do a lot for community and a lot for charity. We didn't have anything focused specifically on black community. And we talked about that as a, as a director team, what was important to that and why. And you know, the owner of the company was like, you're absolutely right. We, we do do a lot for community and, and black community, we're right in New Haven, black community is a part of our community. You know, What can we do? Who can we write a check to? What, what feels right? And with me, it was like, let me think on that for a sec because I don't want to just write a check. I want to do something, you know, I want us to do something. I want it to be a part of our culture and who we are. So that's what kickstarted our, um, essentially a diversity inclusion committee, what I call our equality committee, where a group of, basically we put it out to the company of anyone that wanted to volunteer and be a part of this group that focused on diversifying the industry, bringing some awareness to racial justice and helping to elevate black communities in our area. And we sat down, we had half the company join that committee and we sat down and we just started piecing apart. All right, what can we do? It's, it's important to talk about things, but, and then know that we want to change. We want to do things. We want to help evolve, but how can we do that? And, and, and me How having- can we
1: on WNHH, LP 103.5, That's FM true. New Haven, myself, Prestige, and my partner in crime, Long Island Rays, Elm City Made, EZ Blues is in the building. We got our guest, Jamal Robinson, and I hope I didn't lose your train of thought, sir. Go right ahead because I'm enjoying no, no. what I'm listening to.
2: <laughs> I appreciate you, bro. Yeah, I appreciate um, you too, brother. It was, you know, it's never lost on me that a lot of people had to fight and die for me to have the opportunity to have a very comfortable job in a white mm. community. Right, so even just my mom, the the boldness of my mom moving to a to a white community and realizing that people before her had to fight for her to have that opportunity to be able to do that, and then still paying that forward. So now we're like, all right, what is my role in this in this community and in this industry? We have to be intentional about what we're trying to do and why. And and one of the first ideas of our equality committee was was starting a scholarship. There's no black people in this industry, or Mm -hmm. very few black people in this industry. What can we do to change that? And and not just change that but what can we do to change that in a very equitable and qualified way and brewing uh sacred heart university that was the first year they started their brewing science program Mm -hmm. so reached out to them and said hey would you guys be willing to to help us start an african-american brewer scholarship and they were like absolutely this is dope how can we help and then it took me to go down the rabbit hole of like all right what is a scholarship exactly how do you create that and from writing the language of what that scholarship really, who it is specifically offering the scholarship to, to what it is, and there's, there's two kinds of scholarships. There's an annual and there's an endowed. So the annual being one that we write the check for every year, and it's a $15,000 program. So it was important to me and to our team that like, all right, if we're gonna cut this check, we're talking about people leaving an industry that they might be in, to come into an industry that they might not know a whole lot about or be in fully, $15,000 is a real number. And Mm -hmm. an 11 11 months, the 11 month long program is a real time commitment. So we have to be honest and realistic about, we're trying to evolve a demographic to come into an industry that's never really been a part of black culture, to take that leap of faith, then you're going to, we're to have to write a full scholarship and make sure that this is, what that, that's, a, that's a weight that's taken off that people can really focus and be a part of this thing. So we started writing that annual scholarship, but then realizing that there's this endowed scholarship piece where we could build something that lasts forever, like beyond our brands. As long as that brewing science program exists, someone, a, a, an African-American student would be going through that program every year. But that also meant we had to raise a quarter of a million dollars, two hundred and fifty dollars to $300,000 and then it was like man sitting back and feeling like raising a quarter million dollars is that the best way to spend that money when we talk about elevating black community and and can we do something better in black communities with all that money because it's going to take a lot of time and energy to raise all that money we set a Mm five-year goal but then i think about craft beer as an economic impact in this country 83 billion dollars and climbing in just craft beer which is 12% 12% of the beer industry, 12% yeah. of beer is craft beer and craft beer is $83 billion in climbing. And I feel like, uh, and I look at what the social impact is. You talk about the climb that this has had on American culture in terms right. of people being a part of craft beer that I'm like, man, this is 100% dollars well spent because that's $83 billion that, that people of color represent less than 1% of, and, right. and it's not just about getting into it because it's fun but it's about that economic impact it's about building legacy and about building generational wealth and, and building opportunities all the way through and not just those who work at a brewery but also those that are the food trucks at that brewery those that are making the apparel for those breweries those that are servicing and selling the ingredients and the glassware and the bottle caps and the cans and all the, the residual income that comes from the entire industry as a whole so then it was like, yeah, let's do this. This is this is money well spent. This is energy well spent. Especially when I look at, I've never been a political person. I've never been an mm-hmm. activist in that way. So this yeah. is a way like, okay, I've got a role and a leadership role in this industry. This is something that I can really help impact in a way that doesn't just impact the industry, but also impacts community, black community. Um, so we started writing the scholarship. And then we talked about the, the endowed scholarship. Then I started feeling like, man, this is this can't be this shouldn't be something that's just New England brewing specific. This should be an industry initiative. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I started reaching out to friends and people I knew in the industry to to join this committee that I wanted to start. Because I've always one of the things I've realized about myself in the last several years and and moving into directorship and management is that I'm a better version when I have collaboration. Right when I have when I can feed off of other people and people feed off of me and we can inspire each other.
1: Honestly, that's how you do it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. is
1: yeah. honest, yeah. how you do it, yeah. man.
2: <laughs> you so, need uh, that. Yeah. yeah. So I, I started started making calls, started reaching out to people um, that I thought would be helpful, um, one of which Alyssa Bones Macado from Rhythm Brewing. Yeah. yeah. Great um, woman. Yeah. And some of my other friends in the industry from Phil Pappas, the director of the Connecticut Brewers, uh, Brewers Guild, um, he was one of the ones where we're having a beer here at the house and, and I'm talking about this project that we're doing at Nebco. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I want to be a part of it. The guild should be a part of it, you know, which mm-hmm. is a thing. So we ended up the guild ended up teaming up with us to write the, 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 uh, the endowed scholarship, which is provides, uh, one annual scholarship for an African-American student mm-hmm. and, um, and priority going to those showing financial need. Right. And if- and if none in connecticut fit those descriptions or have applied then we can open it up to the region and then from the region to those to the country but really try to focus on connecticut first but then if nobody applies and we don't have that person because realizing too it's you got to be building and that's a big part of where this the the foundation gets the uh, the festival gets into that if we want to diversify who's brewing beer we also have to diversify who is drinking beer who's in the scene who's in the culture um, so as a committee, now we've got mm-hmm. this committee, we're rocking, we're talking about fundraising ideas. And our first thing, because it's so easy, is a golf tournament, right? Every every foundation throws a golf tournament. And you're like, it's right. easy. A golf tournament could do that. And then we started talking about like, man, golf tournaments are expensive to throw. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> they're not even that inclusive, right? You're walking along right. with it. For the foursome uh, of people, you're not really socialized. Not doing anything. I are mean, so happen? open, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're like, what does that really have to do with, with beer and with with what with our mission in general? Mm-hmm. So they were like, man, let's throw, let's throw a festival. Let's throw a beer fest. We know how to do that, mm-hmm. right? Right. And, uh, and then from that, we started talking about, well, what, what does that festival really need to entail to be different and to be important? And we start throwing ideas. We're like, man, it's got to be conversations. It's got to be something that, that black folks want to be a part of in general it's got to have yeah. a part of black culture and, and mm-hmm. we're talking about this thing and as we're as we're brainstorming as a team we're like i stopped i was like yo y'all are talking about fresh fest <laughs> mm-hmm. right and, and we're talking about fresh fest which is uh the first black owned beer festival out in pa that is, mm-hmm. that is this so i started pulling up youtube videos and we started watching them as a team and we're all like yes this is what we want to do Alyssa had already poured at fresh fest so she was like absolutely we're talking mm-hmm. about fresh fest that's what we're talking about right so we were like all right a, that festival gave the blueprint and the bones to show us that this thing is obtainable and, and can be done and people will show up to it if we and do it, it. And it can work. And it can work, right? Right. And then it was like, all right, then how do we do this here? And then it was like, all right, our committee is mostly white folks because it's, it's a committee of beer industry people. right We need to start recruiting elsewhere. And uh, I reached out to some other friends of mine, Jason Watts, who, owns, um, who runs UPN, Urban Professionals Network. I saw him that he was starting jazzies. I saw an article in the paper, and I honestly just hit him up on Instagram. I saw his number was actually listed on his Instagram. I gave him a call, introduced myself, and he was like, Bet, let's meet for lunch. I think this is cool. And we sat down and started talking about this is the concept of the idea, but it needs to be authentic, and to be authentic, Alyssa and I can't be the only people of color representing all people of color, so let's start teaming up with other people and getting other people in the mix. So. Between him, a friend of mine, Marion Endo, who used to be the events coordinator for the city of Hartford, who throws mm-hmm. these kind of dope fests. She, she owns University of Dope, which is a, a hip hop card game. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Catrice Claudio, who actually reached out to me and was like, I see what you're doing. This is dope. How can I be a part of it? So she came on board to help with communication and social media. Uh, my fiance, who's, who's, uh, um, Ecuadorian. She came mm-hmm. on board. She's our social media strategist at NEPCO. So she teamed up with Catrice and they've been working together this year in terms of um, the marketing. And then it was like all right now we're, we're getting a team and, and, and trying to build this thing for real. And then it was about getting momentum, getting the word out and being intentional. So all black owned uh, musicians. We wanted all the, mu- the music to be playing to be hip hop and R&B. We wanted, we wanted the music to be right for, for the culture. We mm-hmm. wanted it to be to supporting black businesses. So all the vendors being black and brown owned and artists. This was supposed to be like a also an art fest. So now, this comes to beer. my question. Besides
1: Rhythm Brewing Company, how many other Black-owned beer companies they are in
2: here in the area? In Connecticut, there yeah. is one. Wow. Uh, and there's one, uh, Best Friend's Lunch, which okay. is a small craft brewery. And uh, they're Latin and Black-owned. And Karim, the, owner, uh, the co-owner, was our first scholarship recipient at New England Brewing last year. Mm. Now he had been brewing. He had, he had launched his brand and had been brewing and working. And he thought this was going to be a good opportunity for him to to learn more and network and, to, and to be a part of the scene in a better way. But yeah, one other one other brewery. So <laughs> yeah, that showing you just exactly how important because we have 135 plus breweries here in Connecticut. That's mm-hmm. crazy! Wow! Yeah.
1: Yeah. Wow! <laughs> Easy. I see you train of thought. I know good oh. verbal singles, man. What are you about to say, brother?
0: I have so much to say. But first, I, <laughs> I, wanna, I, don't, I don't know if you remember this, this Pete, but I, what, Jamal, you and I were supposed to meet from forever because I was on Long Island when Blue Point started to build. And then when they wound up getting picked up and getting that ex, you know, Anheuser came through, we're like, yes, local boys made good. This is going to be great. This is going to be incredible. And then you also, coming from the punk rock aspect of it, you had those other people that were like, Oh man, they're going to sell out. It's going to be ridiculous. Um, and I love the fact that you kind of talked about that that whole aspect. The other thing, Pete, do you remember Vetstock? The last Vetstock we did, it was oh. at Blue Point. I, I, it was at Blue Point. Was it, it was like at 2017, 18? Yeah, I believe. At, wow. Yeah. So you, you 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 were there. <laughs> you were in, you were in in the in the spot, bro. So just how connected we all are, I think, is a. Bit <laughs> <fun>. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I I really, to break down the numbers that you were breaking down, you talked about, you know, $83 billion for 12%, you know, and then you really broke down, there's, you know, two, you know, people of color owned brewery out of 163. You know, what is it like to continue to push forward and to really call? Because all the work that you're doing is absolutely incredible. Um, How do you keep it going? Because it seems like you're almost dealing with insurmountable odds. And a lot of that can break people. And I know, especially coming through the pandemic where everyone, yes, we've had that time to think, but sometimes we've had a little bit too much time to think Mm. and those thoughts can start to beat up upon you. How have you been able to maintain your mental health as you're going against this huge, huge battle?
2: Yeah, man, Um, you are not wrong. It is exhausting in a lot of ways. you know the festival itself is exhausting. You know, mm-hmm. in, in terms of throwing a festival, because it's not just calling a bunch of people to be a part of this thing. It's 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 really trying to be authentic about this thing and trying to do it in the right way and trying to offer an experience that is specifically and intentionally focused towards people of color. But you want everybody there to feel comfortable. You want You don't want to create another isolated event. Um, mm-hmm. On top of the fundraising, it you know raising a quarter of a million dollars is, is a heavy lift, and I feel very responsible for hitting that goal because I feel like I spearheaded and, and got this thing going and then it's like we that I need to make sure that it happens whether I have all the participation and all the other like I feel like I have to understand that not everybody's going to be as passionate about it as me even though they think it's a good thing and want to be a part of it and I and I put it on myself to make sure that we hit this goal one way or another and mm-hmm. I, that, that might be just my DNA or that might be, you know, the salesman in me or whatever. But um it, it it has taken a lot where I've had to step back and be like, I need balance. This um building this homestead. So I'm an avid gardener and mm-hmm. I, and uh in twenty twenty was the first year that I was able to focus on building this this big garden and this self sustainable little urban homestead here in, in New Haven. I live over in the Morris Cove area. Mm-hmm. And, um, I've got a half acre here, and we've got chickens, we've got a barn cat, we've got a huge dog We wow. do all these things, and try the next step is bees and, and water retention. But that has been a huge part of my mental health. Oh, hold on, you said bees? Yeah, that's the next step. Oh,
1: man, I, I, yeah. I, you're, you're a braver man than me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but go yeah. continue. He
0: was just about to be like, yo, when can I come over? And then you said <laughs> bees. He's like, no, I'm nah, good, nah, I'm nah, good. Nah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, so... The gardening aspect of that is something yeah. that I need this in my life because it levels me and it helps me keep me calm in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. There's also a space at the house here that we built. We call the zen den. Before mm-hmm. I started the, before I started the scholarship um, and got into this aspect, this is pre 2020. I I got into mental health in a lot of ways. I got into therapy for a few years, realizing how important that is. I focused on. Mindfulness and, and mental health. I think as a society, we spend a lot of time trying to look good naked, right? We try to yeah. we try to work out, we try to eat right, and try to do these things, and we forget the fact that our brain is the most important muscle in our bodies, and and really dictates who we really are as a whole, and and especially being a black man, mental health is not something that comes instinctive to our culture, right? right. It, it's you don't talk about your problems. You you deal with what you got to deal with. You bottle it up and you keep it moving. Pretty much. And, yeah, you know? And that is the most unhealthy thing possible, especially when you mm. when you really step back and 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 focus and and understand what mental health is so there's there's been a level of me focusing on mindfulness and and mental health before starting this project, and then during this project has been like the most in in helping me like remember to level remember to balance so even after the festival, i took I'm taking two months off to just refocus and get clear again, oh, yeah. get cards again and, oh, yeah. and and do it. And we're at just about $100,000 in two years. You know, so it's been a heavy push. It's been a heavy push. On top of that, we started a foundation because realizing the way some of the liquor laws has changed and that it's going to be, it's great to get people brewing beer, right? To get more black people in, in brewing beer. But in reality, we're being honest, most people that work at a brewery are not brewers. Most of us right. that are in the beer industry are not brewers. Mm. I've been in the industry for 18 years. I tried homebrewing. Not my bag. Very easy to make beers. Very hard to make good beer. And uh very cool. true. You know the-
0: on step <laughs> it's very both. easy to drink both.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it was also about if we are going to mm-hmm. diversify who's drinking beer, diversify right. who's brewing beer, we need to create other opportunities in this industry that are not just brewing, you know, sales, mm-hmm. and marketing and internships and tap room and, and just getting into the space and creating new spaces so that right. getting into the industry, be, having to be in a white space is not the only way to get into this industry. So creating these mm-hmm. new spaces needed to be important too. So that's when we started our own 501 C three, that committee that it formed is now the change in the air foundation. This is a 501 C committee that's focused on those other things. Now, after we hit this, this fundraising goal, we want to be able to pick up because the the annual scholarships from New England Brewing is is a five year uh, is a five year commitment. So we want once we hit our goal in five years that the that the foundation can pick up those scholarships that we keep going. Mm -hmm. Athletic Brewing actually reached out to me year one I was on Good Beer Hunting, which is a um, an awesome beer publication. They do a lot of dope things, but mm-hmm. they reached out um, and did a podcast with me. And the, the owners of Athletic Brewing, which is a non alcoholic craft beer that's taken over the country, they're mm-hmm. going to be they're pushing almost sixty thousand barrels as a as a non alcoholic beer. Wow, it's crazy. And okay. but there's also this movement in our in our generation that's moving towards healthier options, I think a lot of people realizing like, sure. man, I'm not an alcoholic, but alcohol is not really good for me. Right. <laughs> and, right, and, right. and, but I still want to be in these spaces. I still want to provide and be able to be a part of this culture. And, and mm-hmm. what athletics doing is a very cool way to do that. And a, while creating a really good product. So they reached out and they're like, man, we think what you're doing is important. We want to, tack on to the scholarship and help you put and make sure you're putting two people through the program every year um so and and they were like we don't need to have our name on it they were very humble like we don't need to have our name on it keep it nebco's thing let's just add another 15k a year and i was like y'all need to have your name on it because again it's very important that this isn't just nebco's initiative this is an industry initiative and if you're if you're black coming into this industry or of color coming into this industry and you only see one or two people that care about this thing that doesn't make you comfortable (laughs) right? right So it's it's making sure that like everybody wants to be a part of this thing, and that people coming in understand that everybody wants to be a part of this thing. So they're like, all right, bet we'll we'll do it. So they wrote a separate annual scholarship that runs alongside ours, and something like that now has 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 snowballed and making sure that like all right, we this is important. People are are getting on board and, and making sure that we're. We're doing the right thing, but
1: we are doing the right thing on WNHH LP 103.5 FM, New Haven, myself, Prestige, and my partner in crime. Long Island Rays, the Elm City Made, EZ Blues is in the building. We got Jamal Robinson sipping a cup, talking about some good old beer right here on Behind the Brand. Easy Blues, I saw the finger up and the light bulb on top of your head. What's well, going on, buddy?
0: Well, he, here's the thing, and, and P, you actually know about uh, athletic brewing. Athletic Brewing just did this other really big thing, I think, the past week or so. Mm-hmm. Um, professional wrestler John Moxley had a, a huge problem with alcoholism, took some time off, went to rehab. And because he's been doing so well, they are now actually one of his sponsors. They sent him, like, a lifetime, oh, well, a year supply of Athletic Brewing. That's um, awesome. They are really about that type of thing. And I love the fact... They, they were able to, to be a part of this because you're going to see within the next, I'll say three or four years, they're going to blow up a lot, a lot mm. just by the smart moves they're making. Now, speaking okay. of blowing yep.
1: up in two years, uh, let's talk about the change in the air festival 2021 that year. A lot of people were really skeptical to start anything when it came to a huge event, because, you know. Difference types where we're just going on with this virus, a lot of updates, a lot of information, new vaccines were just coming out this year. Um, were there any conflicts with the debut of the Change in
2: the Air Festival? Uh, conflicts, I'd say, if anything, we were just as nervous. You know, we were mm-hmm. like, with the time, we know that the thing is possible, but are people going to pull up? And yeah. more importantly, are Black people going to pull up? or people of color going to pull up? Because if we threw a festival and only white folks showed up, yeah, we raised a lot of money, but we didn't do what we were trying to do, and that, yes. that's the, not the most important thing. And and this needed this was always about being more than just a fundraiser. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think we were all all stressed and we were all nervous. Myself, especially because the first festival up until the up until like three days before we had less than a hundred tickets sold. You mm-hmm. know, festival that we were trying to sell. You know, at least we were like, all right, if we sell 300 tickets, we at least break even, and we throw a dope event. There's enough right. people in that space to make it a vibe, right? Um, so yeah, we were we were nervous, and then between the day before and day of, we ended up selling out at almost 500 people. Uh, vendors all showed up, and then everybody was like, "Man, this is a good time." It was out. I was outdoors. We happened to catch the momentum coming right off of like all the Oktoberfests. So we were like the right. last nice. event. Ah, guess okay, I do. So there wasn't any anything else going on. And uh, we caught the weather. We caught like the last nice day of the season. So that <laughs> that day. Uh, the universe was like it was on the side, man. It was it was it was pushing for it. The bands were dope. The DJs were dope. Um, the food and the beer was all good. And we had a lot of it was something where like all the breweries were, were reached out to me after or like, this was like the most refreshing beer fest i've been to in so long like people were asking honest questions people were trying to learn like that's what beer fest really started off as it started off as a bunch of people not really knowing much about beer and then going to try a bunch of things and learn about beer and that's exactly what that was and then you had 50 percent of those people that were that had been to beer fest all the time that go to beer fest and love beer were all telling me that man this was so much better the music was better we had so much more fun so now in yeah, because I mean, you got when you got a group of people out when you got 40 people out in the front of the stage doing line dances and and every variation of the electric slide possible, you know you got a party, right? And and for for half of that, half of the people that went to that fest the first time they seen anything like that. Sorry. Right. So now you've got uh, the people that were there feeling like this is cool. Now I'm trying all this beer. I didn't realize beer was like this. I didn't realize there was all these options. And we mm-hmm. blended the, the space and created a diverse group of attendees that all uh, that all had a better time in, in doing that. So then it gave us the momentum to be like, and then everybody wanted to come back. Everybody wanted to come back. So the people there had a great time. The vendors had a great time. The breweries felt like they were a part of something special and a part of something real. And it helped start to change the face of what beer fests look like. You know what I mean? It, it's important if we're going to do this movement and really try to make this movement impactful and long-term that it can't just be a one-time-a-year scenario. It needs to be we need to start shaping what all beer fests look like and, and having people be thoughtful about the vendors that they bring to their events and why and when you say that you're you're welcoming to all. Think about and be intentional about are you welcoming and, and do the people that you say you're welcoming to feel welcome in that space. Right. When it's
1: funny how you tell me about the audience reaction when it came to to your festival because a lot of beer festivals i went to prior to the change of the air festival it's mainly quiet you know it's a quiet little reserve you just have all your stands there there's no um atmosphere you guys went outside the box when it comes to your festival so when you tell me about the research it shows it definitely shows with the quality in everything and with the effort that you guys put into it. Um, each stand has something that separates themselves. I, I, I even, one of my favorite stands there was a stand with a little girl's business. It was Two little African-American girls. Like they ran their own like little candy shop stand. I forgot the name of those two little girls, but they had like their own little cake pop stand that mm-hmm. you had there at a beer festival. And they were just running the show. <laughs> Parents were in the sidelines. They were just running the show. Like you would never see that. Anywhere else, <laughs> you would never. K-pop, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't get the K-pop I Like, I, it just, it just blew my mind. And these two intelligent young girls were telling me about the process they did when they were making it. They were telling you about everything. These two educated great human beings who felt like they just should have been in college, <laughs> telling me about that little cake product at a beer festival. Like, you would never, ever see that. So I just would just want to applaud you for that, just giving opportunities to people who look like us. It was really a great example of representation over there, brother. And you guys did a great job. I appreciate you. And what I want to know is just the future of the change in the air festival. What do you got? What can you say? that you want to have planned because I know a lot of stuff can be kept behind closed doors because you don't want to ruin anything for anticipation I understand yeah. that but what do you have planned for the future for the change in the air festival and outside of the festival as well too
2: Yeah so now with with, with starting the foundation the festival we want to keep we want to keep evolving we want to keep building it mm-hmm. we don't want it to lose that that it has a very cool intimate feel you know what I mean you're in you're in the space and it doesn't feel too spread out and too big um, but we want to we want to evolve it in a lot of ways and keep adding elements. This year, we added live mural piece. So finding a Black artist to do this live mural yeah. festival was just a very cool additional aspect. We were actually going to have live body paint, too. And uh, our artist got COVID or tested positive. Oh. There, unfortunately, which, which would yeah. have another, been another very dope thing. But um, it's about continuing to evolve. There would be... Um, more music. We'll keep varying the music. We want to provide opportunities for other people, but at the same time, man, the people that showed up and helped me the vibe, like DJ Rawls, I don't know if you, if you were there for uh, DJ Rawls' set, but yeah, he turned it from a beer festival or an event to a party, and uh, there's something very, very important about that hour block, that hour and a half block that he's up on there. Um, so there's some there's some aspects of it that we want to add to that party atmosphere in a a very healthy and cool and fun way that will keep evolving, especially the vendors, evolving the breweries and the collaborations that happen. We're starting to get into creating collaborations specifically for this beer, uh, for this festival. You know, you saw um, we did multiple collaborations with Lawson's and Bissell Brothers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Alyssa did a collaboration with uh, Sam Adams. So we want to keep expanding the collaborations and, and bring the communities together. Um, as a whole, but uh, just know that it will keep evolving, and uh, and hopefully we keep making it bigger. That we maybe we eventually outgrow that venue, and uh, or we keep it there at that venue and create a secondary event. I'd also love to take this event on the road and be a blueprint. The way the Barrel and Flow or Fresh Fest was a was a blueprint for us uh, to, for this to be a blueprint for to take this to New York, take it to Boston, and, and and create other things like it that evolve this industry as a whole. That it's not something that's just locked in and exclusive to connecticut because it, this industry is huge spans the whole state one of this year's scholarship recipients drove up from texas wow <laughs> to, Word. Be, uh, to, to take the scholarship opportunity so it's it's uh it's something that we want to keep building but especially in the foundation providing some other opportunities internships uh scholar not just the brewing scholarship but internships and in other aspects of the industry and um and, and continuing to, to fundraise as a foundation and doing partnerships with other, with other brands and other brews.
1: That's awesome. Easy. I saw the
0: finger up, man. Go ahead, brother. Well, I just want to say, um, we want to throw our, 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 names or our hat in the, in the ring as well. Um, we would love to do like, as you guys are building up one or two, maybe for, for that entire month, have the businesses or the brewer the, the brewers that you have at, at the festival. We'd love them to have on this show or we actually are, are launching about two other shows that, that we can and do that for. Um, I'd even love to to maybe do like a quarterly, you know, just check-in with you um through through podcasting and different things like that. You know, we are, you know, I love what you're you're doing. I know P loves beer as well. So it, it, it's a it's a blessed thing. But we really i'm really digging everything and anything that we can do to help you move forward you know you've got you've got my you've got my mind and peace sword so let, let, let's roll rock let, let's 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 take on the world
2: uh, you know, i can't really thank you enough it. for that that uh every every piece of momentum everybody that jumps on board makes this thing more important and, and even better than it was before and i i appreciate that we will i will tap you for that no doubt and uh, <laughs> i'd love to have you a part of the festival in some way we'll figure out how to make that happen you know there's Oh, definitely! Definitely, that would be a lot of fun. Either live podcast or doing some interviews on site, yeah. whatever. Let's 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 brainstorm. Let's link up and uh, and try to make it happen. Oh,
1: speaking yeah. of linking up, I, I like the fact that you had bars on I ninety five at the uh, James mm-hmm. there as well too. That was pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> they, had, yeah, they ran man. their
2: own live
1: thing <laughs> over there at the Smokehouse, which is uh, <laughs> very cool to see. Yeah, huge! They're uh, they're right. going hard for the culture, and
2: and it was cool mm-hmm. to have them there. It was cool for them to want to be a part of it too.
1: Yeah, man, um, we only got so much limited time of this uh, broadcast left, but I just want to know, um, just for the audience to know, any like social media contacts, any way to reach you, um, and just you know the rest of the time is yours. And after you give that information, just give a little bit of advice of someone who wants to go on a similar path as you are on
2: right now. Um, yeah, so easy to contact me on Instagram, I'm Nebco jammy. Um Changing the Air Festival or the changeintheairfest.com. Change um, Changing the Air Fest on Instagram. You can find us pretty easy. Um, you can hit me up there. Um, I have, uh, we have members of our team that are running the actual Instagram part of it, but someone always links that back to me. You can send us a direct email at, info at changing the at Um, or just, yeah, hit me up direct, jamal at newenglandbrewing.com. Uh, accessible in all those places. Um, got a lot of people that are reaching out and wanting to be a part of it, which is dope. For anyone wanting to do something like this or to do anything impactful, two biggest things that have been for me is one three biggest things. Beat them again. One have three. <laughs> one have three things, right? Um, right. Be passionate about it and, and, and let passion drive you in a real way. And let that passion drive you to create a plan. That you can execute. It's one thing to talk about it, but you need to create a game plan, write it down, whatever, and have something with 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 goals and an ability to ex things to execute, not just the idea. And right. then three, put a team together, get other people in the room that are also passionate about it and also care about it. It's it's always more impactful, always better to have a bunch of other minds to to help help you and the idea evolve and brainstorm and just. Nobody can do it alone, and it takes a team to make anything really, really, truly impactful to me, and uh, and get that team, get a good team, get people that, that care, and there's a lot of people that'll be like, yeah, I care, and I want to be a part of it, and yada, yada, and then they don't do a whole lot. Have have a leader to, to lead that team, too, so that work gets delegated, people get to know what's up, and that there's a direct point of contact. but yeah, those are... There's a million other things I could probably name that I've learned over the years. Those are a couple of the show. Jamal, and I learned... also
0: take care of your mental health.
2: Oh, yeah. definitely. No that's doubt. number four. No that's
0: doubt. That...
2: that might be number. That might be number one. I'm sorry. That's, that's, not, not, that's, that's number, not, number that... one above everything.
0: Okay, that's
1: number one yeah. of the four. <laughs>
2: yeah. You can't do anything if you're a mess. Oh, that
1: is true. That is entirely true. That yeah, is no. entirely child. You gotta be right up here. But mm-hmm. I think I'm a little bit right up here now just by the information you gave us for today's show. I really do appreciate you all. Thanks for being a part of Behind the Brand, WNHH LP 103.5, FM New Haven, myself, Prestige, and my partner in crime, EZ Blues. We appreciate you, brother. I yeah, appreciate
2: y'all. What y'all are doing are real, and, and uh, props to you guys.
0: Wondering What to write about, trying to figure out what it's all about, existentialist, am I worth anything or just a scout? I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Spending time alone, sending my songs to the phone, dreaming of a better home, waiting while focused on trying to hone. This craft, witchcraft, I hope the Brujas let us.